Kyburn Place. Welcome to this edition of Still in the Race, a podcast about running, except for when it's not. As was evidenced last time, we've taken a strange turn, and for the next few entries, it felt most comfortable to simply count down the days until the race with periodic updates and see where it goes. The biggest challenge will be to slice the subtle difference between the battle ahead and sounding like I'm whining. First, any and all pain is self-imposed. And secondly, no one ever wants to listen to anyone else complain. So I'll try and stay away from that. Day 31. I dressed in the bathroom at work, aware that it was a struggle to even slide on my shorts because my knee wouldn't bend enough for me to reach my foot. At best, I was 75%. 30 minutes later, I was at Reed's Lake, which offered up a flat four and a quarter miles to test where my injuries stand. The temperature was 89 degrees. My knee braced in place, and I was full of trepidation. I set off, and based on my complete failure 48 hours earlier, when I tried to run and made it less than 10 yards before shutting it down, I was aware of every step. 30 seconds in, I could go another 30 seconds. One minute in, I could go another minute. Five minutes, the same. Every step, I focused on my knee. Landing was painful, but after 10 minutes, it wasn't any worse. I settled in. I had chosen the lake because there was no turning back. I would be forced to finish the test and deal with the consequences. Nine-minute miles, little more than a trot, but I was done. There was pain with every step, but it never got any worse, which was the bar that I had set. Even as I climbed into the car, I was thinking about what the night would bring after the struggles that I'd had over the past couple of weeks. Those are the measurements of going forward. Did I finish the run without causing lasting damage? Would the pain and stiffness rob me of sleep? How did I feel in the morning, the next day? Day 30, the morning. It was a bad night. Every time that I moved, I was instantly awake and had to grab my knee with both hands as I searched for a comfortable position. One of the advantages of a life full of injuries is that I'm well-versed in managing pain. When a knee doesn't work, pressure to the back of the joint slightly to the outside of center will cause it to bend with little effort. Medically, I don't understand why such things bring relief, but they do, and I've taught my tricks to all of my children. Evening. Today has been a huge disappointment. After four days of rest, yesterday's run has left me barely able to walk, and my co-workers are all staring at me as I hobble around the office with an ice pack strapped to my knee. This is not a good start. I'm already asking myself if I should shift gears back to the safer route and shut down for a couple weeks. Even when there are a lot of distractions, reality tends to always be lurking on the fringes. My run had made the situation worse. The race wasn't merely in danger, 30 days out, at that moment. I couldn't imagine that it was still a possibility. Day 29. The morning was no better. I hobbled out of bed and quietly got ready before my wife rose. I made sure that I slipped out before she could see how much I was struggling. Once I arrived at the office, 
I wrapped an ice pack on my knee and plunged into another day of work. Day 27. Four weeks from this moment, I will be on the trail. I managed four miles of ease last night, which even with the discomfort left me feeling better. At a speed still above nine minutes, I was at a forever pace. I could run that rate for many miles if my body parts didn't start falling off. The problem was, that pace was it. I wasn't holding back. That was as fast as my left knee would bend. There wasn't any pushing through. That was it. Day 26, morning. The night was as good as I could hope for. A little extra stiffness, but it was more stiff than painful. A good sign. Evening. The day was less pretty. I struggled not to look like an invalid, ice packs strapped to the outside of my knee, trying to pretend that my appearance was normal for a man my age as I spun through a series of meetings. I failed, but continued to pretend, and my staff pretended not to notice. Day 25. Back on the lake after only one day's rest. I survived, which was the test, but still north of nine minutes with no room to improve until something changed. Regardless, what matters was that I was still running and had survived another day, even if I wasn't seeing improvement as I ran through the pain. That night, I strapped ice to my knee and pulled out the roller and worked from my knee to my hip, which is excruciatingly painful in the mid-thigh area. It would be almost another week before one of my children would let me know that focusing my weight directly on my IT band was only capable of bringing pain that would result in my eyes watering without any actual benefit. He would then go on to teach me the proper way to roll, which seems like something I should have known after all these years. Day 25. I felt good when I woke and realized that I hadn't spent the night tossing and turning as I battled trying to find a position that didn't leave me racked in pain. This has to mean that I'm getting better. It may be happening too late, but my body parts were slowly starting to cooperate. Day 22. Three days rest and I had my first breakthrough. Same distance, four and a quarter miles around Reed's Lake, but 60 seconds faster per minute and with relative ease. Still 30 seconds slower than I would like at that distance, but a huge step forward as I moved without any discernible limp. One more good run at that distance, a run at 10 miles, and I could hold on. The race was still on the calendar. Day 21, the middle of the night. Last night was one of the worst since injuring my knee. My left leg was immovable and throbbing as I struggled for hours to find any relief. In the dead of the night, with my wife sleeping next to me, I realized that it was over. I struggled to climb out from the sheets and found my knee brace in the drawer next to the bed. I slipped it on and felt some relief, but still couldn't move without placing my hand behind my knee and forcing it into a new position. Morning. I woke early and slid out of bed without waking my wife. I wanted to get cleaned up and out of the house before I had to face her. I could barely walk. It had been many years since I had been in this much pain. Day 20. After a recovery that surprised me, I wrapped up five unimpressive miles, but at least it's in the books. I iced the knee, hoping that it would help me make it through the night. The real news is coming out of Brooklyn. My son has had to shut down running due to his own injury. I can limp through a half marathon, but 30 miles, that's different. There is no surviving at that distance. Your body has to cooperate. At that length, there needs to be an agreement between your brain and your body. 
The brain agrees to manage the pain and discomfort, but the body has to agree not to crumble under the vials. It's common for runners to stumble and hobble to the finish line. At this moment, we are stumbling and hobbling to the starting line. Day 18. My plan was to increase the distance, but the will wasn't there. I tried to push through the 8.30 mark, but only managed to accomplish that speed for one of the four miles. At the moment, that's as fast as my knee will go. I would like to have one outing at my normal pace before the race, but that is feeling increasingly unlikely. The good news is that I have been able to string together several runs on normal rest without making the situation worse. Ice, stretching, and a roller after the run. I wanted to continue to slowly heal, but more than anything, I want to be able to sleep without pain. I have crossed the threshold with my personal confidence level. Making it to the starting line is now 51%. However, more reality keeps kicking in. My son's status remains undetermined, and COVID has made another appearance. Most importantly, his wife has experienced a breakthrough case and is currently attempting to quarantine in the bedroom of their Brooklyn apartment. If she struggles with the symptoms, they won't be getting on a plane to travel to Michigan. If he comes down with the virus, that will take him out regardless of her condition. And, locally, the Delta virus is rapidly spreading, and the viability of the entire race is in question. All that we can do is take it day by day and watch where the pieces fall. Day 16. It's hot again. 90 degrees. The plan is to increase the speed a bit today and then go for a longer run this weekend before I begin tapering. Day 0. For the first time in several months, I know what the next couple of weeks will bring. My knee had started to tighten at about the two-mile mark, so I stopped to stretch and grab a drink. But when I started back up again, everything felt different. I could still run, but was now barely hobbling and couldn't regain my stride. Three miles in, I stopped for another stretch, but this time there was no restarting. I would walk for a few minutes, try to trot, quit, walk, try again, walk. It took me 25 minutes to make it back to my car. There are a lot of signs that reveal the difference between a pulled muscle or a minor setback and an injury. Back home, I sat in the car staring at the open door. I couldn't get out, sign number one. It took me several more minutes to bend my knee and carefully place my foot on the cement. Without putting any weight on my leg, I pulled myself out and then leaned against the car as I slowly made my way to the door leading into the house. Sign number two. At the front of the car, I found myself staring at the two steps that now appeared as almost impossible obstacles. Sign number three. I made my way around the corner and into the kitchen. My wife stopped and stared at me with a very different look in her eye. And I told her the truth. That was different. Sign number four. Over the next three weeks, I will have x-rays, consultations, an MRI, five physical therapy sessions, and a meeting with a surgeon. What I won't have is a race. If there's good news in all this, it's that there's no reason to believe that this is the end of the road. I've picked the right tendon to injure, if there's such a thing. And it's likely to be only a number of weeks before I'm back on the mend. All of which leaves me in an unfamiliar place. This is a blog and a podcast about running. And my running has been shut down. Regardless, this is a year-long project 
and I'm not ready to call it quits. It feels like an honest representation. Injuries are a part of running. Races are missed, breaks from training become necessary, and we meet new doctors. It's part of the process, and we've all arrived at that place. What's next? I have no idea, but I've always been much better at not planning than planning. Hopefully, you will all hang in with me as this project about running has to adapt to no running, and we'll all see where it goes together. Thanks for stopping by this edition of Still in the Race. If you'd rather read and listen much of this content and other observations, find their way to stillintherace.com. Production and editing, care of Trey Jones. You can find him at treyjoneswriter.com. Additional editing and artwork, Astrid Burke. You can find them both at babyfeverpodcast.com. I look forward to seeing you next time when I hope to have something to say, but don't count on it.